Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. People of the way. People of the way. Way back in the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts is in the New Testament. It was written by a man named Luke. He also wrote the gospel according to Luke. He was a physician of some sort. And he wrote the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is very simply, it's this, the Acts, the beginning of the Acts of the early church. And so in other words, this is a book, it's a historical book telling us what the early church did, what they went through, what was done against them. And we're going to go, we're going to take a look at Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, in just the very first few verses of Acts chapter 9, we're going to see something and we're going to launch off from there and we're going to go to John and we're going to go to a couple different places in scripture. But this is one of the first times where we're really hearing that Christians are, are being separated. There, there's a distinction with this group of Christ followers, okay? There's this distinction. There, there's something different about them. They can be identified, okay? You follow what I'm saying? They can be identified. And so Saul is a Pharisee. He's a religious leader in the nation of Israel, and he is breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And when it says Lord, it means Jesus Christ. So Saul hates Christians. Can you say that with me right now? One, two, three. Saul hates Christians. Hatred for Christianity, what it stands for, what it is, goes all the way back to the very beginning. And I'm not going to get into Saul's life. If you're interested in the Apostle Paul or this man Saul, who's the same person, Go on our YouTube channel, go back to a series called Stories, and you'll see that I preached on the life of Paul. It took a couple of messages to do that, two or three. And you'll see that this Jesus hater, this Christian hater, became one of the most ardent followers of Christ the world has ever seen. He went from a murderer of Christians to being murdered for being a Christian. But right here, he's breathing out threats. He wants to stamp out Christianity. He wants to destroy Christianity. And, and, and if you go back to that series on stories, you, you'll, you'll kind of see the psycholo- psychological reasoning why Paul wanted to stamp out Jesus because he was confronted by his sin and the reality of Jesus being the Messiah. And he had given permission for one of the very first deacons of the Christian church to be murdered. And that stayed with him. Anyways, we go on. He asked for letters from the synagogues, from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any, and here it is, right, who were of the way. If he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. People of the way. This is who Paul wants to murder, right? He's breathing out threats and murders, and he wants to destroy the church. 
Are you, are you tracking with me right now? Now, he knows who the church is because they're distinctive. There's something different about them. <clears throat> and I want to tell you right now what the difference is. So you can write this down if you have your Bibles. And by the way, I know that we put it on the screen and everything, and we have a Bible app. You should bring your Bibles, or at the very least, um, subscribe to the Version Bible app so you can actually highlight in your Bible and take notes. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of taking notes in, 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 in service. Uh, I have notebooks that are um, full of notes from years and years past that I can go back and look at, and it helps to lock things in. So this phrase, people of the way knew Jesus. Number one, they knew Jesus. Number two, they were known by Jesus, right? The, those that are the Lord's, the Lord knows who they are. So they know Jesus, and they're known by Jesus, and here's the distinctive. They're known because of Jesus, because when you know Jesus, and Jesus knows you, he is going to change your life, right? When, when you know Jesus, and this is legit, right? When you know Jesus, and he knows you, and you can't know him if he, unless he knows you, you will become known because of Jesus. So I want to establish that. What are the people of the way? They're people that know Jesus, are known by Jesus, and are known because of Jesus. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This is up in the Bible app. I just have most of the scriptures there for you to follow along this morning. Sign in. You can get and take notes, highlight. Thomas said to him, Lord, this is a big long dissertation of Christ. He's introducing the Holy Spirit. He's telling the disciples he's leaving. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to die. He's going to, he's going to end up going to heaven and he's going to be there. And, and his disciples are kind of freaking out, right? They're like, where are you going? Uh, I can't even imagine what they were going through. Like, I, I know I say, hey, I got at least five years left here at Emmanuel. I believe I got at least, uh, at least three and a half years. I know for sure that I will be pastoring this church and barring any unforeseen circumstances. And when I say that, people are like, no, no, you don't. You're not leaving in three and a half years. And I'm not. I have no plan on leaving. I think I'll be here at least for another 10 uh, not to freak you out, but I can just see, and, and some people are looking at me going, you can't do that. Now imagine, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. You guys have seen me fall and fail and been miserable, and even this morning I was so frazzled. And, and even with all of that, people are like, wait a second, we, we don't like change. <laughs> we don't want you, we'll take a bad pastor over not knowing who the next guy is, right? But but Jesus now, I mean, he is the Lord of lords. He's the king of kings. They've watched him raise the dead. They've watched him heal the sick. They've watched him feed 5,000 men and women and children. They've watched him do these amazing things. And on top of, of all that, they have listened to him teach them as they had never heard a rabbi teach before. And now he's saying, I'm going away. Can you imagine the chaos in their hearts? Like, no. And Thomas is like, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and, and how, can we know, how can we know the way? And Jesus said to, them, uh, to him, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. If you had known me, you ha would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And this is, this is a powerful this is a powerful statement because there are people that don't believe that Jesus is God. 
Now let me state emphatically, Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the second person of the Trinity. God is a triune God. Three people in one. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Father's first, God the Son's second, God the Holy Spirit third. They have different roles and different responsibilities, but they are one. Okay? They are one. Three in one. Now, ask me to explain that to you later, and I'm going to say no. All right? Listen, I've studied the Bible almost my whole life, and the, the hyperstatic union of the Godhead is something that is just impossible. He is. He's three in one. Some people try to say uh, it's like, I don't know, the three elements of water, ice, water, steam, right? But it's, that doesn't even, can't even approach the reality of God because he's one at the same time, right? Water can't be ice and steam and liquid at the same time. He is one at the same time. I got a phone call about a month ago, somebody saying, hey, I was on your website, and your website says that Jesus is God, and I take exception to that. Can you explain that? Jesus never said he was God. Right here, Jesus has said he is God. You have seen the Father. How have they seen the Father? Anybody? They've seen me. Jesus, he says, you've seen me, you've known me, and if you've known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. He is claiming equality with the creator of the universe. Jesus is God in the flesh. And let me say this, guys. This is one of the distinctives of what it means to be a person of the way. It's absolutely distinct. People don't like to talk about exclusivity today, right? You follow what I'm saying? Nobody wants to talk about exclusivity. Nobody wants to talk about excluding things, right? Everybody belongs to everything. But every religion, if they stick to their roots, they're going to be exclusive, right? In order to be a Muslim, you must adhere to their tenets. And some of their tenets are diametrically opposed to the tenets of Christianity. You can't belong to both. Do you follow? You can't belong to Hinduism. Well, Hinduism is kind of a interesting. That's probably the worst example. They'll worship pretty much every god. But you can't belong to Hinduism and be a Christian because Christianity is exclusive. You are accepting Jesus as Lord, not a Lord, not a God, but God. Follow? So he is... When he says, I am the way, I want you to think of it like this. I am the way. Not any way. The way. And it is exclusive because it is what he said. Jesus is the way to the Father who is in heaven. How do we know the Father's in heaven? Well, one of the easiest ways is to go back and recite the Lord's example prayer. Our Father... What? Where is he? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? So if he says, the way to the Father is through me, where is the Father? So often we'll say this, uh, if you've been to a Baptist church, right, you'll have at the end, and I'll do this too, bow your heads, close your eyes. Do you know for certain, I mean absolute certainty, that if you should die today, that you would go to heaven 
right? You'll hear that statement. Why do we ask that? Because the Father's in heaven. And you can know. You can absolutely 100% know that you have a home in heaven. In fact, Jesus said eternal life is this, to know the Father. To know the Father is eternal life. And so we'll ask that question. Do you know for certain that you have a home in heaven when you die? Because the Father is in heaven and God wants you to know. Go to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to talk about the way. Continue talking about the way. This is the introductory message. I hope that you'll come back next week and a couple weeks after that to get the totality of this message. Enter by the narrow gate. This is Jesus talking. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. The wide gate. Now remember a few moments ago I mentioned exclusivity. The narrow gate excludes people. In order to get to the way of life, you have to go through the narrow gate. Here is how narrow the gate is. I don't know how big Jesus was. Uh, some of the scientific evidence I've seen said that he was maybe 5'8", five, 5'7". Five, He's probably about as wide as me, kind of a burly guy. Right? So this is about as wide as the gate right here. Might be a little tall. It's about as wide as the gate is. It's as wide as the person of Christ. He is the gate. It's the narrow way. Now, I'm going to challenge some thoughts here today. Uh, because narrow is the gate, that's Jesus, that leads <clears throat> to life, and few there be that find it. So Jesus is the narrow way. So you've heard this expression, right? You all got to walk the straight and narrow. Anybody heard that expression? I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. As a matter of fact, you probably heard it more like this. You better clean up your act and walk the straight and narrow, right? Straighten up and fly right, all this kind of stuff, right? And so when we hear the straight and narrow, what we hear is you better clean up your act. And when this is usually mentioned, it's talking about getting to heaven, Right? Getting to heaven means you've got to walk the straight and narrow way. You better clean up your act. And listen, that's called morality. right? Now, is God against morality? Absolutely not. Will morality get you to heaven? Absolutely not. That flies in the face. And what I mean by that is it goes against most religions in the world today. They demand that you adhere to their set of rules. And if you do not adhere to their set of rules, you're going to hell. You're going to be destroyed. Whatever their version of hell is. Annihilation, you name it, right? You've got to walk their straight and narrow way. The straight and narrow way is Jesus. Christ alone. There are some that have changed the good news of the gospel to a moral gospel, a moral code. And when they do that, they strip the cross and they strip Jesus Christ of his power. Because then it all becomes about you. Now, I know some of y'all are going, wait a second, wait a second, pastor, wait, wait a second. Put the brakes on. Are you telling me that in order to get to heaven... I don't have to clean up my act and be perfect and be good and be holy and be wonderful? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Because Jesus did it for you. 
Now, does Jesus want you to stay in the same life that you've lived? You heard my prayer. God, you've changed my life. Now, I still struggle with sin. Does that mean I'm going to hell? No. That means I still have this, flesh. And I'll struggle with sin to the day I die. And hopefully as I get older, I'll have more and more victory over this flesh. Right? I'll have more and more victory. But until the day I die, there will be a struggle. But that struggle does not determine my destination. My destination was determined by Jesus Christ on the cross. Moral, the moral gospel is a false gospel. It's all about Jesus. It always has been about Jesus. He is the straight and narrow way. Everybody tracking with me there? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. It's not about your strength. It's not about your goodness. It's about His goodness. That's a hard message. Because that message destroys original sin. Do you know what original sin is? Anyone? I will be like the Most High God. That was what Satan said. What is original sin? Pride. Absolutely 100% pride. What does religion, false religion, teach you? That you can be like the Most High God. That you can clean yourself up, fix yourself, be good enough, right? That's what religion teaches. What God teaches is, Here's the hard truth. You can't. You can't. Now, he can. He can change your life, but you can't. Oh, you can clean up a lot of issues, and, and I know people that have struggled with drug addiction, and boy, they blow my mind how amazing they are, that they have come out of drug addiction, and they are walking clean and sober for years, but without Jesus, they'll walk clean and sober straight to hell. It's Christ alone. That's it. What that does is it destroys our pride. That means you've got to come to Jesus as you are, an absolute mess. <clears throat> Lord, I'm a sinner before a holy God, and, and you are so amazing and so glorious that sin cannot stand in your presence. And I need to be cleansed, and I need to be forgiven of this sin. And listen, the reality is I want to walk away from this sin. I want to be changed. No one comes to Jesus without a sincere desire to be changed. That's called repentance. We turn from ourselves and we turn to God. In some cases, we're turning from our pride and I don't need this. I can fix myself. In some cases, we realize that we are such an absolute horrific mess there was a time where we thought God wanted nothing to do with us. Has anybody ever felt that way? You felt like God wants nothing to do with me. I'm an absolute mess. I can't stop lying. I can't stop cheating. I can't stop cussing. I can't stop this. I can't stop that. And why would he ever want me? Because he can fix that. He can cleanse it all. And he can give you power to walk in a new and living way. Both sides are wrong. Those that feel like they cannot ever be rescued, 
and those who feel like they don't have to be. And Christ came to save both and to declare himself as the way to the Father. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, it says this, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is where? Where is it? In our good works, in our good deeds, in our turnaround, in our morality, in our church attendance, in our, in our giving of our tithes and our offerings. Where is eternal life? In His Son. Now, this is a letter that John wrote to early Christians. John was a man that walked with Jesus. He was one of Jesus' best friends. If anyone ever knew the message of Christ, it was John. And listen, John does not pussyfoot around. He doesn't say, hey, you ought to just stay in your sin and keep doing wrong. It's great. God hates sin. And so when we come to Christ for salvation, it's not coming to Christ saying, hey, I'm going to come to Jesus and hold on to my sin, and I'm just going to party and do all these horrible things. It's not what it means at all. That's called license, not liberty. To come to Christ doesn't mean He gives you a license to stay a mess. It means that He gives you liberty from the mess and He will walk with you and work with you and transform you from the day you come to Him to the day you enter heaven. So don't mistake this message for meaning that you have a free pass. Okay? You follow? Sin is incompatible with the glory of God. And if God inhabits you, whenever we fall into sin, it is going to cause conflict within. So here is John. He's writing this letter to the early church. And he says, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. And when he says has life, is that present tense, future tense, past tense? What tense is that? It's present tense. Now, I used to be one that believed this. If I ask Jesus to be my Savior, He'll save me in that moment, and I'll be forgiven. And if I died and have a heart attack, I would go right to heaven with God. But then if I screwed up and I fell away and I messed up, and then He would kick me to the curb and say, you're not mine anymore. And if I died, I would go straight to hell because it would be like I had life, but I don't have it anymore. Or I, would, or I came to Christ and I would think this, that eternal life didn't begin until I died. Anyone ever feel that way? Like you'll have eternal life, but it doesn't start until you die. That's what I believed. But here's reality. You have present tense life. You have it. It will never leave you. It is a spiritual thing. When we come to Jesus and we ask Him to be our Savior and we sincerely turn from ourselves and our ways and our sin and we ask Him to save us, there is a spiritual manifestation within you. In other words, the Holy Spirit quickens, brings to life, brings to eternal life, your dead spirit. And you now possess eternal life. Does that mean you're not going to die? Physically, you're going to die. But spiritually, you will never die. You have eternal life. He who does not have the Son, though, do you see the exclusivity of this? Do you understand what I was saying in the beginning? You either do or you don't. You're either in or you're out. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13 this, this verse was preached almost every single service many, many years ago. These things have I written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God 
that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. There's that four-letter word in there. No. Doesn't begin with an F. Get your minds out of the gutter. There's a four-letter word in there. Right there in a top half of the middle. What is it? Starts with a K, ends with a no. Right? What does he say here? If you believe, in other words, if you have placed your trust in Jesus Christ alone, not your morality, uh, not religion, not doing enough good works, not doing enough, if you are trusting in Christ alone, you've believed on Jesus, you may know that you, present tense, have eternal life. What is eternal life? To know the Father and where is the Father in heaven so we can say, know that you're going to heaven if you want to put it that way. And that you may have confidence and continue to believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, there are many religions that will give you an idea that if you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that and you do this, what do they almost all say? You might get to heaven. You might exchange uh, this form of incarnation for a higher form of incarnation, right? Uh, You might, and it's, it's all based on you. It's all based on your abilities. It's all based on your morality. It's all based on your good works, right? Here, it's based on, what is that saying? It's, uh, it's not what you know. It's who you know. It's who you know. Next time somebody tells you that, you can say, oh, that's biblical. It's who you know. Do you know Jesus? If you know him, he knows you, and you can have absolute 100% confidence that you have a home in heaven. 100% confidence that you have eternal life. I'll share with you a story briefly. I was working, uh, planting a church, Lighthouse Baptist Church up in Panacook, New Hampshire, and, and then we had merged with Landmark, and we were in a building program, and I had to go back to work to support my family in a secular job, right? So I was pastoring the church, I was preaching and discipling and doing these things, and then I was working three or four days a week at a secular job, like a, I was a, I'm a solid surface fabricator and, and uh, installer and stuff, and, and I was in the office with some, some of the girls, the office girls, and I was getting my assignment for the day or whatever it was called, and, and uh, I always loved it when they had you in Rye in the morning and they had you in Peterborough in the afternoon, but they only gave you 30 minutes to go from Rye to Peterborough, Right? And I was, in a, I was in a cargo van. It didn't have turbo. I got pulled over 13 times in those t- three years that I was planting that. I shouldn't have said that, huh? <laughs> when you only got 30 minutes to get to Peterborough from Rye, guys, dude. Uh, I didn't get any tickets, though. I'm just saying. Um, spat in my eye, flashed my dimple, and sorry, sir. Uh, anyways... I digress. I was in the office, and, and, and I was trying to witness to the, to the office uh, staff, and, and, and I said, well, I know, I, 
I know I'm going to heaven when I die because they were talking about dying or something like, well, I'm all set. I know where I'm going when I die. And, and the girl behind the desk was so offended. You can't know that. You think you're better than the rest of us? She was so offended. And, and, and the reality is, I looked at her, I'm like, absolutely not. It's not because I'm good. It's not because I'm better. It's because he is. I don't have confidence in a home in heaven. I don't have confidence in eternal life because of my goodness or because of my horribleness, right? It's because of the goodness of God that led me to repentance that I should trust in the complete work of Jesus, his death, his burial, and next week we celebrate his resurrection. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and she was just, she could not get her head around it, but you can know. So here's the question for you guys that are watching online, for those of you that are here in the sanctuary, for those of you that are going to watch later, do you know? And if you do, or you think you do, why? What's it based on? Is it because you struggled with something and now you don't struggle with it anymore and you've had great success? Is that why you know? Because if that's why you know, you are not rescued. You are not redeemed. You are relying on yourself and you have to let go of that and rely on Jesus. That's it. Do you think you know because, hey, I go to church all the time? I've been baptized. Is that why you know? If you think you know because you go to church all the time, and, and some people are like, oh, pastor, can you baptize me? And I'm like, I really don't want to. You know, because pastor baptized me or because this. Is that why you know? Because if that's why you know, you're not, you're not going. You have a false belief. You're believing in yourself. Or do you know because you came to a point in your life where you recognize I'm a sinner before a holy God. The glory of God has revealed to me that I do not measure up. The true measure of the way is the stature and fullness of Christ. When you study your Bible in Romans and in Acts, we learn that the measure of eternal life is Jesus. So we can look at the Ten Commandments. You want to look at the Ten Commandments? Some of you think, oh, I've kept the Ten Commandments, right? Look at the Ten Commandments. Don't make a graven image. I've never done that. Don't worship any other gods. Well, I don't have any altars in my backyard. And we're not going to get into your heart worship because guarantee you are worshiping other gods. But I'll give you a pass on that. You don't have a statue. You're not burning children at the altar of Moloch, right? We'll give you a pass, right? I mean, I know some of you want to at times. You're like, Moloch got it right. No, that's bad. Maybe you haven't ever lied. You've never committed adultery. You haven't murdered anybody. You go through those Ten Commandments and you're like, I'm pretty good. But then I want to introduce you to Jesus who not only followed the Ten Commandments, He wrote them, He embodies them, not only the letter of the law, but the intent of the law. He is the holy and perfect God. 
Do you measure up to that? Do you measure up to that doing the right thing all the time, every single time? You measure up to that because if you don't, you're all going to hell. That's what the Bible says. So what do we do? He gave his life in exchange for yours. He took your place. He said, this guy that's struggling with alcohol, this guy that's struggling with drugs, this guy that's struggling with sex, this guy that's struggling with lying, this guy that's struggling, and girl, vice versa, I will take that into myself. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took every lie you've ever told, every wicked thought you've ever had. He took it into his flesh, and when he hung on the cross, he paid the penalty for it. And for those that will call upon the name of the Lord, he exchanges his holiness for your sinfulness. So that when God looks upon you, he sees a cleansed child. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now this is the same guy. The guy that wrote this is the same guy, Paul, who was then called Saul, who had letters of permission to grab everybody who was of the way, to bring them in chains to Jerusalem, and hopefully to have them killed. That guy had a radical transformation. He recognized his emptiness and his sinfulness before a holy God, and he trusted in Christ as his Savior. He's now writing this. It's near you. Some of y'all have not yet taken that step of faith. You've heard of Jesus, you may have even have been in church all your life, but you have never sincerely placed your faith in Christ alone. It's been in Jesus plus me, Jesus plus church, Jesus plus turning over a new leaf, Jesus plus, Jesus plus, but you've never truly let go and trusted in Christ. And Paul is saying here, the author of this, this letter to the Roman church, He's saying the truth is near you. It's even in your mouth. There are people that talk a good talk, and it's in your heart. They have a good motivation, but they have not yet let go and trusted in Christ. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Now, let me clarify. This doesn't mean you confess all of your sins. Some people mistake that. If you're confessing the Lord Jesus, and that word Lord, it's, capital, it's capitalized. It means the supreme one. That means God Jesus, the Lord of lords, the King of kings. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you recognize that He is the Son of God, God the Son, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, rescued from the penalty of your sin. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. What does that mean? That means at the end of days, when we stand before God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we will not be put to shame. That which we have trusted in for our salvation is sufficient to the task. He will look at you and, and the son will say, he's one of mine. She's one of mine. And you will not be put to shame. Now there are others who will stand before the great white throne judgment of God. It's in the book of Revelation. 
And they will say, perhaps, I trusted in this, and I was a good person, and I prophesied in the name of Jesus, and I served in the name of Jesus, and I gave in the name of Jesus, but they did not have Jesus. See, they knew about him, but they didn't know him, and they will be put to shame. In other words, what you were trusting in wasn't the right thing. They will be put to shame. But I was a Baptist, don't matter. Sorry, Lord, doesn't matter. Yeah, but I was a Catholic, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I was Lutheran, I was Episcopalian, I was a Presbyterian, I was a Mormon, I was a Muslim, I was this, I was that. Unless it's Christ alone, none of it is enough. And you, and you will be put to shame if you have not trusted Christ alone. There's no distinction, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? I mean, do you know him? Not religion, not church, Jesus. Have you had that time in your life where you have turned to him and trusted in him? Where you finally let go of your pride? Where you finally desire to walk free of the sin that shackles you and holds you down? Where you want to be in the glorious presence of God? Have you had that time? where you've been cleansed and you've been forgiven and he has looked at you and he has said, you are my child. If you haven't had that time, you can have that time right now, this very moment. Will you trust in Jesus once and for all? Once and for all. Will you let go of your religion? Will you let go of your dead works? Will you let go of your sin? And will you do this with me right now where you sit? If you've never done this before, if, you, if you're having tremendous doubts and, and you're struggling and you don't know, did I really do this? Listen, now is the time the word is in your mouth. It's even in your heart what the Apostle Paul said. It's so close to you, but you need to grasp it. You need to believe and trust. Exercise your faith and call on the name of the Lord right now, wherever you are. Say, Lord Jesus, I come before you. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. And I've tried to fix myself. I've trusted in religion. I've trusted in this. Or, or maybe you're coming to him and said, I, I thought I was all set. And I'm coming to realize I wasn't all set. Or maybe you're one of the people that like, do you really, do you really want me? How could you want me? Can I tell you something? He does. He does. There is no sin that is big enough that the blood of Christ cannot cleanse and cover. So the answer to that is yes. And so will you come to Jesus right now and say, Lord Jesus, I'm coming to you and I believe that you are God in the flesh and that you died on the cross for my sin and that you are enough and I'm asking you the best way I know how once and for all, save my eternal soul. Forgive me of my sin and give me a new life. Father God, I present to you the sacrifice of Jesus for the sin of my life, past, present, and future. And in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you, 
from your heart have turned to the Lord this morning. That means you have been born again. You are a child of God. And the Bible says that no one can ever take you out of his hand. Not even you. Listen, the demons of hell cannot wrench you from the hand of the Father and of the Son. The angels of heaven cannot wrench you from the hand of the Father and Son. In Romans, this same passage, the same letter that we were reading, he said, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Death, life, famine, sword, nakedness, peril, sickness, nothing can take you from your Lord and Savior once you have placed your faith in Him. If you turned and trusted in Jesus today, man, we would love, we would love to know that. And, and I know some of you, maybe you've been longtime members of this church, and you're like, I've never done that before. Or maybe you've been longtime attenders of this church, and you've never taken the plunge into membership, and you're like, I've never done that before. I don't care who you are. I would love for you to share that with me or with one of our staff. We would just love to celebrate the fact that you have been born again. And this is a day that you should never forget, October 7, 1987. I was born again. And can I tell you that I was one of those that was both good enough and not good. I was like a juxtaposition. I was a paradox of mess. Like, I was in this church. I was in the choir. I was serving in, was I in Awana? I don't remember. I was mostly a good kid. Some parents would look at their kids and say, why can't you be more like Eric? right? But I was lost. I was baptized, but I was lost. Everybody in the church thought I was a great Christian, but I was lost. And then October 7, 1987, a Friday night revival service, I went down and I prayed and asked Jesus once and for all to be my Savior once and forever. And He kept His promise since then. So it doesn't matter where you're at. Maybe you're the worst sinner in the world. If you turn and trusted to Jesus, you are now his child, and he will begin to lead you out of that sin and give you a new way of life. And those are the things that we're going to discuss in coming weeks. In fact, now that you've trusted Jesus, and maybe for those of you that have been walking as, as a Christ follower for a long time, this is what Jesus says. You are the light of the world now. Those of you that have trusted in Christ, you are now the light. Now, there, there have been people that they, they get upset if you say this, but uh, they say, well, Jesus is the light. Well, Jesus said, I'm the light. So, meh. Why am I the light of the world now? Because Jesus is in me. And he has gone to heaven to be with his Father, and he has left me in his place as his representative, and I am now the light of the world, just like you are, those of you that, those of you that have trusted in Christ. And, and Jesus goes on, he says, a city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How are they going to see your good works and glorify the Father without you telling them why you're doing your good works? See, now, Christian, it's not enough for you to be a good little boy and a good little girl. It's not enough. You've got to start opening that mouth of yours 
and being the light of the world and, and show, well, this is what we're going to wrap on, show people the way. Show people the way. You say, Pastor, I can't get up on a platform like this and preach. Well, I'm going to say this. You never know. You never know. I used to be shyer than dirt, whatever that means. Um, when I was 16 years old, uh, I kind of asked my first girlfriend out because I was so shy, I couldn't talk to girls. Like terrified, just terrified. Uh, and then there's a great story of how this girl and I connected. Uh, her name's Trish, and she ended up being my wife because I was too shy to ever ask anybody else out. Once I did it once, I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm not doing this again. It was terrifying. No, I'm just kidding. She was the one. She was the one. But that's how shy I was. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. So maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I could never open my mouth and share with people why I'm doing good things. And I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to say this. Yes, you can. You can. Because within you resides the most powerful entity the universe has ever seen. In fact, the creator of the universe dwells within his creation, you and me. The Bible says that when you called on the name of the Lord to be your Savior, the Holy Spirit came and dwelled within you. And all of the power of God is in you to do his will. And it is his will for you to share your faith. I could never do this. I could never do this. My brother's here today. He could tell you how shy I was when I was a kid. This is something that God has done. To God be the glory. Again, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, please let us know. Um, if you're shy, you can go on our Facebook page, hit the Contact Us button, or go on EmmanuelHooksIt.com, hit the Contact Us button, and just let us know. Hey, I trusted in Jesus as my Savior today, and I wanted to share that. We want to celebrate. We want to help you along your new path. Hey, all thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, EmmanuelHooksIt.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is EmmanuelHooksIt.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.